Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Herod Antipas. He was a man given to his passions. He was proud of the fact that he lived by his heart and his belly and that he had the power to do whatever his latest whim desired. And his latest whim? His latest lust was for the girl dancing provocatively before him. Her name was Salome, and she was, what you would say, beautiful. And her dancing and her clothing and, well, her lack of clothing made her even more desirable to the king. He was Herod Antipas, and he took what he wanted. The dance came to an end, and Salome was positioned provocatively in front of the king, her beautiful eyes beckoning Herod towards her. She was beautiful, and he must have her. He was so overcome with lust and passion for the girl, and those beautiful eyes beckoning him, and and so in a fit of lustful exuberance, he blurted out, I was so moved by your dance, Salome, that I will give you anything anything you ask. I will give you anything in the kingdom. Just ask for it, and it is yours. Salome stood up. Anything? Anything. Ask for it, and it's yours. He smiled at her and kissed her on the forehead. Peering through the curtains was Salome's mother, Herodias. Herodias smiled to herself. The trap had been sprung. Herod was caught. He now had to give her daughter anything she asked for. And Herodias knew exactly what she was going to ask for. And it was something Herod did not want to give her. But now when Salome asked for it, he would have to give it to her. He had to. He promised. He just made an oath in front of everybody that he would give Salome anything she asked. What an awesome trap. Salome's dance was the bait. Herod took the bait, and now he was trapped by his own words. Salome ran back, maybe behind a curtain or to another room where her mother had been watching, to ask her mother, Herodias, what she should ask for from Herod. Money? Gold? Land? Uh, all the makeup she ever wanted, you know, what should she ask? They could ask for anything. How about a new dress? What should I ask for, Mom? He's, what should I ask for, Mom? He said I could ask for anything. Maybe I should ask for a car, you know, maybe a new Mini Cooper. No, says Herodias. No, Salome. I need you to ask for one thing and one thing only. What? What? Herodias looked in her daughter's eyes, her face covered in a wicked grin. I need you to ask for the head of John the Baptist. What? What what in the world? What in, who? Why why would Herodias want the head of John the Baptist? She could ask for anything in the kingdom, and she asks for that. 
What in the world is happening here? Now, we knew John the Baptist was in prison so far in the Matthew story, right? But how did we get to the point where Herodias wanted to chop off his head? How did John the Baptist make Herodias so mad that she would give up money and riches that she could have asked for, but instead all she wants is the head of John the Baptist? What did John do that made her so mad? Well, to understand that, we need to go back a couple of years to when Herod, Antipas, and Herodias first met. By the way, Herod is a general term for king or ruler, and there's been lots of Herods, and this is not the Herod of Jesus' birth. That was, in fact, Herod Antipas's father. No, this is his son, Herod Antipas, and Herod Antipas had a brother named Herod Philip, sometimes known as Herod Philip II. Now, Philip, his brother, had invited Antipas over for a visit. They are both kings of territory in, the, in that region, and, and Philip was in charge of multiple areas in Israel, such as a place called Iteria and Galentius, while Antipas was in charge, it seems, of Jerusalem and some of those surrounding areas. At the time Antipas went to visit his brother in Rome, he there bumped into the beautiful Herodias. Now, Herodias at this time in her life was in her early 40s, and Antipas was in his middle to late 40s, around 46. And when he saw Herodias, he fell in love. She was beautiful. This is who he wanted. But now, here was the problem. Antipas and Herodias were both already married to different people. Antipas had a wife, and her name was, and this is a really hard name to pronounce, but Phasaelus. It's a beautiful name. And he had been married to her for some time. Now, he may not have loved her, and in fact, there's good reason to believe Antipas was married to her for purely political reasons. He was probably married to her by his father to cement some alliance between their kingdom and Phasaelus's father. Now, her father was the king of Nabatea, and by marrying her, I believe Antipas, his father, had made sure the king of Nabatea and, and Herod, the king of Israel, they were all on the same team, and so this was good. So, But now it seems Antipas was marrying, or wanted at least, to marry for love, or at least lust. But he wanted to have Herodias as his wife. So, a plan was hatched. Herodias would leave Philip, his own half-brother. Antipas and Philip were half-brothers, same father, different mother. But Herodias was married to Philip. And Antipas was married to Phasaelus. So, Herodias would leave Philip and get divorced. And Antipas would divorce Phasaelus, and all would be well. For some reason, Philip, I don't know if he didn't care about her, or maybe he had other wives, or maybe he just didn't love her. Maybe it was one of those things where, hey, I married you to cement some alliance. I didn't love you. I don't know, but there does not seem to be a real fight for Philip to hang on to Herodias. But Phasaelus, on the other hand... When she found out that Antipas was going to divorce her, she didn't love Antipas, no. 
but she was worried for her life. She was worried for what was going to happen between her father and the kingdom and the alliance. So when Phasaelus got wind of the plot, she got out of Dodge quickly. She feigned a headache. She feigned being sick. Oh, I got a stomach bug. Oh, can I go to the much nicer palace of my father? I just want to see him. I don't know how she worked it out, but she got out of Rome fast. And she ran all the way back to her father. And there... She told her father what was about to happen. Well, this enraged her father. And guess what? In response to this, he puts together an army and invades some of Anipus's territory. And he takes some of it back. So Anipus falls in love with another man's wife, loses a wife, has to divorce her, and we're not even certain when that divorce went through or if it was ever going to go through. And then he loses some of his own land, all for love or maybe lust. I don't know. But Antipas went into battle against Phasaelus' father and he lost. This is a crazy story. And it just shows you the idiocy of sin and what sin can do. And especially it shows to me what, just a slice of life. Without Jesus, without the Bible, without truth, you just do what you want and you end up in some terrible places. Well, for some reason, Antipas was able to hang on to his what they called a tetrarch. Now, you'll bump into that word tetrarch in the Bible, and tetrarch basically means a part of a kingdom. So Herod Antipas had a tetrarchy. Herod Philip II had a tetrarchy. And so King Herod Antipas, he hung on to his kingdom, if you want to say it that way. And now, according to the story in Matthew, he's back home with Herodias, his new bride. So there is Herod Antipas ruling the Tetrarch surrounding Jerusalem with his new bride by his side, Herodias. But there was somebody not having it. There was somebody who was not going to allow this just to happen without saying something. And that somebody was John the Baptist. See, it's a law in the Old Testament that you are not allowed to marry your brother's wife. Leviticus 20, verse 21 says, If a man marries his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has violated the intimacy that belongs to his brother. They will be childless. And when Antipas moved back to his palace, Herodias was also still married to Philip. There was no divorce. It was coming Maybe, but for now, Antipas's marriage broke Old Testament law in two places. He's married to another man's wife, that's adultery, and he's married to his brother's wife, which goes against Levitical law. Well, John the Baptist, the prophet, he stands up and he says, no way. And he began to preach repentance, the kingdom is near, follow Jesus. But he also preached along the way, hey, Herod Anibus' marriage to Herodias, 
It's a farce. This is wrong. It should not happen. He began to speak out against this specific sin in society around him. And he stood up and he said something. He didn't just let the sin go on. He said, no, world, this is wrong. You know, I find that interesting. You know, many people today don't want Christians to say anything about cultural sins. We should not speak out on social topics of the day. The Christian should keep quiet on any controversial social issue. The church should keep quiet on any controversial social issue. The church should just preach the Bible and that's it. But here we have an example of John the Baptist. He spoke out on a social issue that the Bible directly addressed. Again, the Bible, the Old Testament law, strictly prohibited what Antipas and Herodias were doing. So, guess what? John the Baptist said something. I think that must have been difficult and a little scary. Think about it. John was basically an Old Testament Jewish prophet who had very little power in his day. And here he is speaking out against the biggest power of his day. I think we today should not be ashamed to let our culture know what the Bible says on important social issues of the day. We shouldn't be afraid to speak out the truth. If the Bible addresses it, we need to speak out. Remind yourself, next time you're nervous, well, if I say something, if I let the world know what the Bible actually says about this issue... Hey, I want to encourage you, remind yourself of John the Baptist. He spoke out, and we should too. Well, John the Baptist began to preach about this specific issue. And he called Antipas and Herodias to repentance, to change. Well, Antipas did not like this, so he had John the Baptist arrested. He had him locked up in some small rat-infested dungeon, and there he kept John the Baptist. Now Herodias, his soon-to-be wife, supposed wife, she wanted to have John the Baptist killed. But Antipas was afraid to do that, because he knew that John was popular with the people, and he knew that if he had him killed, that possibly the people would revolt, plus... It says in other books of the Bible that Antipas enjoyed listening to him. He would bring out John the Baptist and have him preach, and it seems like Antipas would listen. In many ways, he was intrigued by what he heard, and he enjoyed hearing him speak. But no matter how much he enjoyed hearing John the Baptist, or how much he was intrigued by his message of Jesus, the Messiah, he was probably more afraid of his wife. And Herodias, she couldn't stand John the Baptist. This was the guy who tried to destroy her marriage to try to ruin her ambitions to be queen. So she plotted and she schemed to get Herod Antipas to kill John the Baptist. And that is when I think she came up with the plot. Have her beautiful daughter Salome dance seductively and then seduce Antipas into giving her whatever she wanted. She knew Salome. She knew she was beautiful. And she knew Antipas when he was drunk. 
and reveling. He often had an eye for beautiful women, so sadly, she made her own daughter dance seductively for the king. This is sad. But that's how much she hated John the Baptist. And finally, one night, during an evening of drinking and partying, Sloane danced and won the heart of the king. He, in the end, promises her anything because of her seductive dance. Salome, again, comes back from meeting with her mother, and she walks before the king, King Herod Antipas, and she asks for one thing. Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Matthew 14, 8. Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. That was what she wanted. John the Baptist's head. And she wanted it now, right now. And she wanted it on a platter? Now, a platter is like a big dish that you put your turkey on. You put some big roast on a platter and you bring it in, right? She wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. Now, that seems a little harsh. All of this seems a little harsh from Salome, you know? Number one, she wanted John the Baptist beheaded. What a terrible way to die. And secondly, she wanted it done right now, right then. And finally, and probably the grossest part, she wanted the head brought to her on a platter. Now remember, King Antipas had granted her unfettered access to all of his kingdom, and he had made it on an oath, a rash promise. So the king was stuck he had to grant her wish. He couldn't go back on it because it would make him look bad. He had to fulfill his promise, and so he asked, or he commanded, for John the Baptist to be killed and his head chopped off and put on a platter and sent up here for all to see. Well, and that's exactly what happened. John the Baptist was killed. His head lopped off and then sent up to the party on a platter. I'm sure when the guests saw the head on the platter, I bet some laughed. I bet some looked on in horror. Well, I think some probably threw up in their soup. But ultimately, this is tragic news. And when Jesus, John's cousin, found out, Jesus got into a boat and rowed out into the Sea of Galilee. And then he got off at what the Bible calls a remote place. And there, I am sure, Jesus cried and wept. His good friend, his partner in ministry, was dead. What a sad, horrible way for him to die. I think Jesus sat down and grieved and prayed. Well, the interesting thing was this had happened months before we come to Matthew 14. Because there it says, in Matthew 14, verses 1 and 2, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. Oh, this is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. See, Antipas began to hear about Jesus, and he began to hear about all the miracles that Jesus was doing. But Herod Antipas equated those miracles, he equated Jesus' acts of power to John the Baptist having been raised from the dead. 
Herod Antipas believed John the Baptist had been raised, think about it, had been raised from the dead. Now that seems pretty amazing. John the Baptist was such a powerful prophet that it was easier for Herod Antipas to believe John had been raised from the dead rather than that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah. Oh no, Jesus can't be the Messiah. I've heard he was a carpenter from Nazareth. No, no, no. In fact, I bet this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. It can't be the actual Messiah. You know, I find it interesting that Herod thought it was John the Baptist and not that Jesus was the Messiah. It's interesting to me that people would rather believe in some amazing miracle rather than in Jesus himself. I mean, think about some religions that people believe in. Scientology, that's a crazy religion. Or Christian science, when you look into the, some of that stuff, you know, and you you think people believe they're going to live on other planets, or, or people believe that if they attach themselves, the machines are going to do this. Or, or a popular thought right now is some people believe we are part of a computer program and some great alien mind is manipulating us in some huge, fantastic computer program. I mean, people believe some wild stuff rather than believe the basic truth that the Bible teaches, that Jesus is God, he is God Almighty, and that you are a sinner and that you're headed to hell. And that there's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's no good works. There's nothing you can do. Except put your faith and trust in Jesus. Say, I want to trust Jesus. And I'm going to put my believing loyalty in Jesus. And I'm going to repent of my sins. And I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me. And I want to believe. And I'm going to follow Jesus the rest of my days. I'm going to put my faith and hope in him. And, And all the Bible says is, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just ask Jesus to save you. Pray and say, Lord, please save me. And ask him for forgiveness for the sins that you've committed. Commit your life to him. Believe that Jesus is God and you're saved. That's so simple, but people find that so hard. Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Put your hope and trust in me. But Herod Antipas would rather believe that John the Baptist was raised from the dead rather than put his faith and trust and hope in Jesus, a carpenter from Nazareth who claimed to be the Messiah and proved it through miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, who proved it through a sinless life, through teaching, through an understanding of the word of God that blew people's minds. He was the Messiah. But Herod Antipas would rather believe that, nope, it's got to be John the Baptist raised from the dead. I hope you're not like Herod. 
I hope you put your faith and trust in Jesus. I hope you see the beautiful light of the gospel, 1 Corinthians says. I hope you see the beautiful light of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. I hope you see the beautiful light of the Father in the face of his Son, Jesus Christ. I I just pray that you see Jesus as the Son of God and put your faith in him. Well, here in Matthew 14, it says, Jesus rode in a boat off in a remote place. I think he was brokenhearted, losing his friend John the Baptist in such a horrific way. You know, this is a sad moment. But the thing is, there is an amazing moment about to come. We have hit a spiritual low, a tragic moment in the history of mankind. But in our next story, we're about to see an amazing miracle that will blow your mind. In Matthew 14, this next story is amazing. So come back. You won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.